is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's the weekend. Mulberry Lane here. It's Allie with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, we're so glad you're here. We're really excited about today's show. It's going to be a little bit different than a normal episode of the Mulberry Lane Show, and you're going to find out why in just a second. So sisters, let's get to those guests, or should I say just one guest? Wait for it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity stories, songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now You guys are gonna hang out with the Night Owl Wayne Nelson of Little River Band is here Now he's now the lead singer You're gonna hear lots of stories About how the band came together Now of course, you know these guys From these hits from the Little River Band. Well, May 5th is when you can catch the magic of the harmonies and the songs at Ralston Arena in Omaha. But first, hang out with Wayne today. You're going to get some amazing behind-the-scenes stories. You're going to learn what a ping is. And Wayne really opens up and shares his heart about a tragedy in his life that he's had to deal with. So you're going to get straight to the rock and roll heart of Wayne Nelson. A special four-part interview because he has so much to tell. And perhaps to symbolize all those harmony parts of the Little River Band. So a special show today with just one guest. Before we get to this four-part interview with Wayne Nelson, have you ever had something that just goes wrong from the start and you can't get it back on track? On the railroad tracks to destruction. Yes. (laughs) And you can't stop that train. We had an interview go kind of wrong this week, and it all started with the book. Okay, Rachel, so this is what happened. So we had an interview with author Noah Stricker with the Nat Geo book, Birds of the Photo Arc. You're going to hear this interview next weekend. They sent us the book in the mail, and it's a beautiful book about birds. It came to my house. I was leaving. Rachel was going to pick up the book to read it and head on over to the interview. So I left the book in a Target bag on my porch, and I left. So then Allie texts me and says, the book is in a bag on the porch. So I drive over to her house to pick up the book, and I'm looking all over the porch. It's not there. So I text her. She's like, oh, no. She says, look in the window and see if it's there in the entry hall. So I look in the window, and lo and behold, there is the sack, and it's out of my reach. She says, Dave, 
when he left, he must have picked up the bag and put it inside the house. (laughs) So I could see the bag and the book two feet away from me, but with a glass window and door keeping me from reaching it. (laughs) So close, but so far away. Yes. (laughs) So we went on and did the interview, and of course, the connection got all warbly. So we couldn't use the second half of the interview. We had to end up rescheduling again. So that will be what you hear next weekend. And a little birdie told me it's all going to work out. (laughs) Exactly, Rachel. So stay tuned for that. Coming up, you're going to hear from lead singer of the Little River Band, Wayne Nelson. Behind the curtains with Wayne, a special four-part interview. Stay right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lake Show. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Night Owls, Lady, Lonesome Loser, Reminiscing, and Take It Easy on Me. Just a few of the mega hits by the over 30 million selling The Little River Band. Now, you can catch the magic of the harmonies and the hits May 5th at the Ralston Arena in Omaha. But first, you guys get to hang out a bit right now with lead singer Wayne Nelson. Little River Band joins your day. Wayne Nelson, coming your way. Thank you very much. It's good to talk to you again. Great to be with you again. (laughs) Yes, and you know, the Little River Band, you guys are selling out shows. So what can fans expect from the May 5th show? We've got some new music in the set. You know, it makes it feel like the band is still thriving and writing and doing what a band is supposed to do. But the hits will be there. And most of the times people come to the show, they know that they remember two or three songs, some from that list that you just said. But there are seven others. Um, And as the show goes on, that starts to build the momentum. You see people pointing to each other or pointing at the stage and going, I forgot that one, I forgot (laughs) that one, yeah. And I bet you can see that on people's faces from the stage, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You can read it, especially up up front in the rows that we can see. Uh We either read it or hear it from them later on because we always like to meet up with people after the show. And it turns into basically an interactive scrapbook is the way I kind of describe it. People get caught up in those memories. Yeah, it's fun. And we've opened up the songs a little bit, so we give people a chance to take over the show, if you will, and sing and clap and take the vocals and take the choruses that they know. And it's just a lot of fun. And as that momentum builds, it just turns into a party and people just have a great time. Mm -hmm. That's the rundown of our show. But I've got some news that I'm not sure you guys know about May 5th. Are you aware that we have a special guest? Kim Carnes is going to be with us. I knew that, but I don't know if I don't know that. if I knew that. That's awesome. Some of the people in town didn't know it hadn't either been advertised or announced. She's going to do probably six to seven songs in the middle of the set, including okay. Betty Davis Eyes and her other hits that she's written. Is she joining the tour home. for a while, or is this just a special night? No, it's a special night, first of all, but awesome. it's a special night that we've been trying to put together and get our schedules together for going on well over a year. So this is the first time that it's happened where she can join our set. This is a debut, if you will, of Kim awesome. and Little River Band. What together. a great combination. Yeah. Now, do you do a song together at all? Oh, yeah. We're her backup band. Oh, we're oh, we're cool. Yeah, yeah. She joins us on stage. Okay. And we just kind of continue on and play her songs and Isn't sing with her and so on. It's great fun. Crazy, though, how difficult it is to logistically figure those things out. Because it sounds like you've wanted to do this for a long time. It really is because you get the idea and, oh, this is going to be easy. And then somebody picks a date and says, yes, I'll take that. And we go back and she says, no, I'm already booked. 
crazy. Or she finds somebody, and we're already booked. So it's a jigsaw puzzle. But yeah. we finally got this worked out, and it looks like we're going to do another one later. And what a magic but, night for here in the Omaha area. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I, I need to turn this around a minute before I forget. I know okay. you're probably not used to being interviewed from the other side of the phone, but <laughs> I do know about you guys. Awesome. And I went back and I checked out the website and looked at the front page, but I see a lot of names up there, including Kim Carnes, but I don't see Little River Band. Oh, <laughs> we got to put it in. We will put you well, up, up top. I think after the second conversation, we deserve to be uh, uh, mentioned on your page. Absolutely. We do. And actually, we are in the process of redoing our website. So when the new website's out, Little River Band yeah. will be Perfect. up there. Good, good timing. You so, tell that webmaster, uh, spell it right. And um, I yes. just wanted to give you a hard time about that. We'll take a hard time from you. Now, let's go back a little bit. You joined the band in 1980. Then you stepped up as lead singer on Night Owls. And that became one of the huge hits for you guys. So... How did that come about, and how did you feel stepping into that lead vocal at that point in time? Because you had not sung lead before. I hadn't. Take being in the right place at the right time and multiply it times about three or four, because that record was produced by George Martin, so we were in awe wow. working with him to begin with. And what I didn't know when I joined LRB, I was the eighth bass player. For some reason, they had had a lot of trouble hanging on to bass players. Okay. Uh, again, being in the support band at the right place at the right time, that was very lucky. But what I didn't know about the band was that there was a lot of political turmoil. Little River Band was a assembled band, if you will. In okay. Australian terms, it was their first kind of super group. Four successful bands, singers and players from those four successful bands came together to be Little River Band. Okay. And it was a business plan that was going after American radio. They did a fantastic job. Great players, great writers, great singers. But they got to the point where they all thought they knew best. Uh -huh. And one by one, they started arguing about it. So when I came along, I found out that this writer had written Night Owls, but he really wrote it for my range and wanted me to sing it because yeah. he wasn't happy with the lead singer's interpretations of his songs, one of those kind of situations. So that all just unfolded in the studio while we were working with George. The same thing happened with Take It Easy On Me was the second of the songs that I sang then, and it was pretty amazing to be the new guy and suddenly being involved in two lead vocals. I was very happy to be part of the vocal group and sing the background. The talent was excellent, and I, I was honored to be there. But then when the vocal thing happened, and again, that was the first time I had ever sung lead vocal in the studio on wow. a song. Wow. Like, is this really happening? And then we're top five, you know, three months later. Wow. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Wayne Nelson of Little River Band. How did that play politically with the rest of the band members? Well, not real well. It, I it can only a, imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it caused one of those big heavy band meetings. One of the other players at the time that had vehemently objected, objected so much that he got fired. Wow. There were many things that led up to it, but that was kind of a breaking point. He was an individual that did not want to add an American to the band. You know, the band's Australian, uh -huh. and he wanted to keep everybody in the band being from Australia. It was a mission for him, and everybody else was happy with the vocals, and everything else was fine, but he just built those kind of walls around himself, so he was fired. But the lead singer said, of course, and I totally get this, if the new guy's singing first two singles, what am I doing here anymore? Right. Yeah. And so... That got massaged and taken care of. And again, I say rightfully so. I was stuck in the middle. But a year later, the lead singer finally said, I want to go do a solo album. I want to take a year off. And he was fired. The uproar boiled to a head, not because of me, but because 
I was not from Australia. And you know what I'm saying? Right, it was like, right. It, it was, was one of those things. It, it was. It was a catalyst to bring it all to a head. And then from there on, it was just kind of a wholesale, oh, I'm not happy now, and then I'm not happy. And by 84, there was like an entirely different lineup, moving solidly, but moving in a different direction. Right. And eventually the label, you know, dropped the band. So, you know, all of that stuff just erupted, and then away they went. The people just decided they were going to quit, and they had had enough, and et cetera. So... And- Eventually, the thing came around to, look, our success is in America, and I'm still here, so why don't I step up and sing lead vocals and just get this over with and and move on? So we did. So how did that affect your creative process, knowing that all this turmoil was going on? All that stress, outside stress, really affects creativity and the ability to perform and all of that. So how did you deal with that? It does. Um, We realized that there had to be a producer involved. We tried self-producing a couple times. We realized that there had to be a producer to sort through the politics. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that producer then became responsible for choosing songs. And then there were moments when the scheduling was done so that certain people didn't have to be in the studio at the same time. It was silly, but what eventually happened is we weren't all pulling in the same direction. To sort that out, literally took years because Uh we didn't want another wholesale upheaval in the lineup of the band. We wanted to just continue to work and and try to rebuild and so on and move forward. And it just got to the point where I actually said, we're not moving anywhere. We're playing the same 11 songs the same way every night. There is no creativity. You guys know this drill, and you spotted it right away. The creativity was gone. And so what is the point of going through all of this turmoil? And for personal reasons and whatever, I just said, I'm, I'm done. And so three years later, the spirit had changed to where we were going to do new material. The guys called me back that were still in the band and said, come back, help us produce. Let's move forward. We got a whole new blood. Okay. So, so yeah. I did. We came back and we were ready to go. And then two of those guys quit because the Australian wives said, you can't keep going to America. You got to stay home. It was just this insane merry-go-round. Um, I call it a revolving door of people who would commit and then quit and then commit and then quit and so we took the reins we found good american players that didn't have all of this travel and baggage and boom we started making new music in 2000 and grew out of that trough and are back to like you said selling out band is strong people love it it just keeps ringing the bell every day that new people get turned back onto the fact that we're still around and it's been quite an interesting ride to get all the way to the bottom and then get back up to where you can see the top of the hill again. Gotta take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Wayne Nelson of Little River Band. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. There's a bar right across the street. He's got a need he just can't beat. Out on the floor, he shuffles his feet away. He'll get the girl cause he looks so fine. Behind the songs, back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Now, if you've just joined us in the middle of a chat with Wayne Nelson of 
the Little River Band, talking about the highs and lows of an amazing career. LRB will be swinging through the heartland on May 5th. So right now, let's get back with Wayne. The times where, you know, you guys were on the charts all the time, and then you had this turmoil stuff, you know, behind the scenes. How did you capture lightning in the bottle over and over again? Was it the songs? Was it the harmonies? What was it that allowed this phenomenal success over and over again? Well, the truth is there were years that we didn't capture the lightning in a bottle based on you know, record labels. When Capital dropped us, we were approached by Irving Azoff and Giant Records that he had just put together. Okay, so, boom, if you will get this person back, we'll do this and we'll make another record and so on and so forth. Well, by the time we did it and rehearsed and were ready to make the record, he sold the label. So we never got traction for a long, long time. The timeline is insane, so I don't want to dig deep into it, but just put it this way. We were skidding around for quite a while, and finally it just got to the point where we were dead in the water, and you were right. Creativity was gone. It was a very, very low point. There was no inspiration Mm -hmm. to keep doing it, Mm -hmm. and inspiration is key to getting across to an audience, and when it's not there, they know. They knew. We were playing for people, and they were yeah, okay, thanks. The lightning was gone. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we got the spirit back in the room to make new music. And the one thing that you said has been key all along, whether we were inspired or not, the vocals have always been there. I would have to say that keeping the vocals intact and keeping that spirit for that presentation Uh is what dragged us through the mud and pulled us out the other side. It's a signature for the name of the band. And the fact is, you guys know you got three-part harmonies. When you put those harmonies in front of people, it is a visceral reaction mm-hmm. to the fact that human voices can be that strong and can't be reproduced. They can be electronically done, but you can't create the blend like you can when it's five people singing on a mic. Exactly. And that has been our beacon, if you will, is uh-huh. that everything we did had to have that signature on it. The signature um, That was your beacon that led you through all of the ups and downs. That was the beacon that led you through the non-harmony times. <laughs> non-harmonious off the bus, but harmonious on stage. Harmony right. on Absolutely stage. Absolutely right. So now you work with Rich Herring to produce the current Little River Band stuff. So how do you guys capture those magical harmonies? What's your secret? Um, I call it a ping. And you guys, as three sisters, it would come so natural to you because your voices create a magic and it was the same family magic that the bgs had it's the same magic that other vocal bands have the eagles had it hollies four seasons so on and so forth but i'll describe it and the way i say it to people who aren't in the business is there's a ping that happens in the room and the ping is in scientific terms when you put voices together and they work they create overtones the magic isn't just in what is right there at the core of the sound, but up above and down yes. low, you're hearing notes that aren't really being sung in the room, but they're being created by yes. the blend. Yes. It is a scientific sound wave process. And when you realize that it's there, or you realize that it's not there, that's the marker for me that's always been there. Singers have come and gone, and some of them have been very good, but their blend didn't work to create the ping Uh so you have to change parts around you have to move voices around and when you find it you got to go okay there's your range that's your sweet spot you got to be there we got to work around this and try to create it it sounds 
overly technical and like, what the heck is he talking about? But when you know it and you hear it and you feel it, yeah. that's when you go, okay, I've got it. You know, Let's that's probably the best explanation I've ever yeah. heard about it because it's something that I know it's, we feel, but to put it into terms like that is... Put it into words is, is difficult. Yeah. You know, we have said before, and see if this makes sense to you, there are times when, you know, we are all opening our mouths and like hold, singing like and holding, holding a, a note or something, and we each feel like all of our voices are coming out of each of us individually. It's exactly right. And not only your physical connection, being sisters, and also your past. I mean, you right. were raised to be doing that, and you've done it for a long, long time. Yes, you start to think that you can't tell which one is singing lead and which right. one is singing yeah. harmony. And you can't even tell and which voice is coming out of your own body. Exactly right. Yeah. That has to be a natural thing that occurs for family members. Uh-huh. Finally starts to happen for people who have worked together for a long time. <laughs> it's a very rare thing, but it does start to happen. Uh-huh. Our drummer came into the band seven years ago. And he was the glue for what I described. Mm -hmm. He was the glue that put the ping right in the center of the harmonies and then just opened up all those overtones. He and I have started to do most of the two parts on stage. And it is starting to feel, when you listen back to tapes, you go, hang on, when did I start singing the top part? I've always been singing the middle part. And you go, no, that's not me, that's Ryan. And people in the band are starting to recognize And he's the the drummer? He's the drummer. Wow. That is another phenomenal part of what's going on with us. All five of us sing. Uh-huh. The drummer's holding down a major part of the vocals all night long. Well, Everybody's got drumming. their job. Wow. But yeah. for him to do that and to be able to isolate it and not have snare drum bleeding through his microphone all night is a technical challenge, too. But he's so good. It just that's, flows out of him like, like water. Cool. It's great. You're hanging with a night owl here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Wayne Nelson of the Little River Band is right here with you. Over the years, with the different producers you've used, have the producers understood harmony like that? Or is that something that you've stepped in and said, okay, this sounds good right here? Because sometimes you can work with a producer that just doesn't get the harmony sounds. You know what? Yes, we have worked with producers who didn't get it. Uh And they didn't get it until their ears got pinned back when we finally were allowed to go, look, just hang on a second. Let us do this, mix it, and then tell me that you don't get a chill when you hear that work like it's supposed to. One guy that we worked with was so enthralled by it he didn't i don't want to say understand it but he didn't understand the the process and he basically said look that is so good we're going to layer this six times and we were singing six times and we would walk back in and go Uh -uh. every layer you're removing the personality and you're creating this wash we said listen to it with all of what you've done now shut four of those layers off and listen and tell me if you don't think it's as strong with just a double Maybe a triple, but the double always does it. The double is what spreads it out, and you get this wide expanse. The more you layer into the middle, the muddier it gets and the less clarity it gets. So, yeah, there's a big effect there, but it's kind of like turning an amp onto 12 and just letting it kind of hemorrhage a little bit. So you're right. Sometimes people get it and sometimes they don't, but we get it. We've always been able to say to the producer, we respect your opinion, but look, we have to stick to what we know. This is what we know, and this is who we are. We want you to do the best with what we put onto the tape for you. And they get it. They do it. I mean, George Martin got it, and other people get it, and other people don't, but they go, okay, I can't deny that that is powerful, so that's what they go Exactly, and you got to stick to your guns. You got to. Being known for your vocals, the live sound has to be so important to you guys. So how particular are you guys about setup and all of that? And your sound guy. <laughs> yes. And finding the right sound we're, guy. 
Okay, the right sound guy is absolutely crucial. Okay, we found our guy about, well, close to 10 years ago now, 9, 10 years ago. And we knew it, and here's why. We use in-ear monitors. We don't use stage monitors anymore. And so we can all control our own mixes. Yep. So therefore, we create that blend in our ears and we leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Impossible. But out front, he still has to tame a room every single night. You can't put the whole audience on ears. Although I bet that's something that's going to happen I someday. Bet. I bet. Mean, have a little app on your phone. Your app, app on the phone. Pop in your earbuds, and you're going to be listening to the same mix that we hear on stage. But that's probably way down the line. But our sound guy gets it, and he is very meticulous. The first two minutes of our sound check is vocals only, uh-huh. and he walks the room while we're singing the same thing that we sing every single day for him, so that he can compare apples to apples okay. and go. The room is doing this, not the guys. We go for it. Sound checks are not like a, hey, boom, boom, click, click, it's on, we can go home now. We sing and play so that he can set the room. And he's critical, but the ears are so important to us because the sound is consistent every night. Well, it's no fun if you can't hear yourself well or what you want to hear well. It takes the fun out of it. Yeah, It does indeed. And then you're just flying blind trying to find your place within the band and the room and the crowd and it's just you've got to be able to hear yourself well after this quick break gonna sound off even more with wayne nelson of the little river band make sure you guys check them out may 5th ralston arena keep it right here with your radio sisters on the mulberry lane show show now here's mulberry lane well if you've just joined us we're in the middle of a chat with wayne nelson of little river band on the previous two segments you got some political history of the band the ups and downs of the band and now we're in the middle of chatting about the importance of the sound for a band that really stresses its vocals like little river band let's get back with wayne talking about live show sound the third element that's really cool, a lot of people are they're scared of putting in-ears in because they think it separates them from the crowd. Yeah. But what we do is we set up two audience mics, and the only thing they do is they pick up what the audience is directing straight at the stage. Mm-hmm. They also pick up the ambience of the room to whatever degree we want to dial that in. Right. But the main thing that it does is it lets us be in contact with the vibe of what's happening from the crowd. We can hear them applaud. We can hear them sing. So you're not just isolated in your head. Me, not at all. I have as much of them as what you would have gotten if you were on a stage. And it was the old days where you're hearing monitors and you're in the room with with the crowd. I'm in the room with the crowd. Other people in the band don't want to hear it. Other people in the band just want to hear the band. And that's the beauty of the band. What do you have in your head? We can create whatever we want. My mix is like a live CD. All of our vocals are even. Like everybody singing lead, I've got stereo guitars left and right, stereo keys left and right, drums and bass are right in the middle, just like you would want to listen okay. 
to a CD of the and band. And then have... I have... I don't have me louder than you anybody else. You don't have else. you louder. Oh, that's shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I always have to have a me too. A little bit louder than everybody else. But what that helps do is create the band. The blend. Blend. And after 38 years of doing this, you know, the band blend is what I, that's what I strive for. Okay. And then the I, hear, I hear back, the beacon, and I hear back from the audience mics what I need to hear about it being live out there in the room and sounding as full out there as it sounds to me. Okay. And so... To me, I'm listening to a live CD of us every night. Cool. You know, with its human limitations. People screw up, we make mistakes, we cough, we choke, we whatever, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's as live as it can get in my ears. Especially with your whole band revolving around the vocals, that had to be an important component of the whole presentation. It has to be, and it has to be the same for everybody, regardless of whether they decide they want to hear the room or not. Uh-huh. And I get why some people don't want to hear the room. Because the guys that are singing falsetto, they have to be meticulously accurate singing yes. up there. Guys that are singing chest voice, you can massage it a little bit on a good or a bad night. But guys singing those falsetto parts, those have to be just as close to perfect as they yeah. can make them. And if you're listening to the room, you're listening to all kinds of ambience up there that can distract you from right. your note and mess you up. Those are the guys that don't want to hear the room, and I get it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what they can hear all of us together can hear is all five voices like right in their face and that's what keeps us all with the pitch center and the all things that you guys know about you you got to have a constant and then yeah. you tweak it as you need to to make yourself feel comfortable it but, keeps um, you pinging uh, it keeps us pinging yeah it is a, <laughs> don't forget the ping don't, don't forget, forget the ping, ping. <laughs> wayne nelson of the little river band here on the mulberry lane show one of the missions of the show is to encourage creativity in our listeners. So what advice do you have about keeping your creativity alive with the pull of everything in life? Um, it takes more dedication to actually making room to do it. For instance, the Nashville songwriting process. They work in three-hour blocks, and they demand of themselves that they come out of those three-hour blocks with something to start with, something to take home some kind of an idea that has sparked their creativity that they can go away, work on it, come back, or collaborate online or whatever. But some of them like to start at 9, and some of them like to start at 1. But they work in three-hour blocks, 9 to 12, 1 to 4, and then they go home. They compartmentalize their creativity. My wife and I were just talking about this because she wrote a book, and she's moving on from that to be a writer in a more inspirational way because she got a lot of following from the book. And she says her creative moment is 5 a.m. And at that point in the morning when she can't quite get back to sleep, she hears things that she wants to put down mm. coming from within. Mine is at midnight. So we couldn't be more poles apart. Everybody is like, oh, they're yawning, and it's 11.30, and it's time to go to bed. I go to bed at 11.30, and my eyes are wide awake till at least 1 or 1.30. And that's when stuff starts going through my mind. But wherever it is, if people want to tap into their creativity, they got to hear that voice when it's calling to them going, wow, what a cool idea. What, I just saw that phrase. That phrase makes me think of another phrase. If you're a writer or if you just start spontaneously singing at 3 in the afternoon, there's your moment. Take it, grab it, do it. Yeah, so you have and to be attuned to your creative hour. Creative moment and then, and recognize and then let it. it be. Yeah. And wrap your arms around it and don't say, hey, how many times have you gone, wow, that dream just woke me up. I'll write that down in the morning. I've done that so many and times. And you not, never and remember. Not there. Mm-hmm. If the dream woke you up at 2 and it was powerful, 
write it down. Journaling is, is amazing. It's a great way to kick creativity, get a kickstart to it, because people don't know that their brains are like on fire yes. while they're asleep. And if a dream wakes you up, you know, dream therapy, music therapy, when it opens up your head to the purity of what's going on in your mind, it's an amazing time. And I would say, if you're serious about being a creative person, when the mood hits you, recognize it and start to make room for it at that certain time of the day when it's resonating with you. It's, it's not rocket science, but if you keep ignoring it, it, it'll just keep disappearing on you. The dream thing is the perfect example. You can have the wildest dream in your head and go, what a great chorus I just wrote. Yes. That chorus sometimes you'll be amazing. dreaming you're singing a song, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the most incredible song. You're no like, question. Yeah. You're dreaming it, playing it, singing it. You're in front of people. Yes. It's a hit song. You wake up in the morning and it is gone. Yeah. And it's a very frustrating thing, but that's the process. That's right. what I would suggest anybody that was a novice at it, you know, do it. Yeah. And I think it shows up so, more. The more you exercise it, the more it shows up. It is. It's, it's a creative process that it's a learning curve. You know, when you're young, your brain learns that, you know, doing this means that your arm goes up. Doing this means that this word comes out. They're all paths in your brain. Our brains are amazing computers that we barely even program from start to finish. But you start telling yourself, there's my spot. And your brain starts to react going, it's time to be creative. It's time to let this stuff Let's happen and, and so on and so forth. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Turn it on. Yeah. Some awesome inspirational words for you creators from Wayne Nelson of Little River Band. When we come back, one final segment with Wayne where he shares his heart about a tragedy in his life. You don't want to miss this. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. So lady, let me take a look at you now. You're there on the dance floor making me want your song. To the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. The final bit of our chat with Wayne Nelson of Little River Band. Let's get right back right now with Wayne. I actually have one last question or comment to tell you. A few weeks ago on our Facebook page, you know, people know us for harmonies as well. And mm -hmm. one of our listeners wrote to us and said, you guys have to check out one of my favorite songs, one of the most beautiful songs by the Little River Band who made the moon and I had never heard oh. I had never heard that song before and I went back and I heard it and I just love it and I I played it so many times over the last few weeks and I can't finish listening to it without tears falling down my face and of course I went back and I I read what led you to write the song and I don't want to make you rehash it and talk about it and I, I know it's about the loss of your daughter in the car accident mm -hmm. and I just wanted to personally tell you that it's a beautiful song well, thank you. Um, hard for me to talk about the song. Yes, I know. Uh, and, and hard to listen to it as well. But I will tell you this, to tie together what we just talked about, and you guys will appreciate this, um, she died after eighth grade but before becoming a freshman in high school. Uh -huh. And uh, our first home computer mm -hmm. was... A, a place for her, and she was a bit of a night owl herself. Okay. Um, and one night I was 
doing the maintenance, you know, that Dad does on the computer. I, the, the two kids just use it as a tool. But right. I'm sitting there, and I saw the folder on the desktop of the computer, and I didn't want to destroy it or whatever, so I copied it and later on opened it up um, and, and was fascinated by these titles. And she had actually even given herself a, a pen name. Okay. She was writing, and, and she was writing these things. And I, I said to her one day, this writing is powerful. Where are you getting your ideas from? And she said, Daddy, I wrote all of that. That's all mine. Wow. And I was like, oh, you, you, I said, I, I'm, I'm amazed that she was writing powerful things that adults could relate to. I was relating to it and being brought to tears about topics that an 11-year-old girl, how, where, did you, where are you finding this? Wow. You've never been in a forest fire. You've never felt an animal feel the heat and run in panic. And those are the things that she was, she was channeling this power. Mm-hmm. Um, and her English teacher knew it. And the English teacher started telling me, your daughter is a writer, and she is a powerful writer. I've got people that can put words together, but she is amazing. And slowly but surely, she started to nurture that. As a freshman that hadn't even arrived at school yet, she had been elected to be the editor of the high school newspaper. And it was one month before school, and that's when the car accident happened. Mm -hmm. So... She ha- she knew she knew every her creativity. Bit of what- yeah, she knew where it was. She did. She did, and she knew that it hit her at about nine o'clock at night. Uh-huh. And so she would be glued to the computer. I would come home and see that glow and know, okay, babe, it's time. <laughs> you gotta you gotta go to bed because you gotta be up at six and and on and on and on. And, and we just had such an incredible bond from that. Yeah, um, that same creative that spirit ex- that runs through you that ex- ran through her. Yeah, and when the teacher came back to me and said what she said, it resonated so strongly. I was like, yes, let's go. Everything that you can do, because I know that that's her, that's her beacon. And then she got, she got taken from us. And uh, by the way, the song came four years later uh-huh. in one of those moments to say there was a show to do. And I, uh, the guy I was going to do it with had an original song. And I said, I think I want to contribute something to this show that we're going to do. I don't want to just be up there as a passenger. Uh-huh. We were opening for a country act in town. And so I just sat down with a guitar, and I am not prolific, and I can't finish songs. I'm horrible at it, mm-hmm. um, which really annoys me. <laughs> I, had, I, I wrote Who Made the Moon in about a half hour, wow. and they were all phrases. It was all built on phrases that, that she and my son had said to me when they were kids. Uh-huh. And it became that question of, I tried to answer them then, and now I'm faced with the one that I, there's no way you can answer it. that I can answer it. Mm-hmm. So that song, she helped me write that one. Yeah. There's no question. It flowed out of you. Yeah. From yeah. her. From her. No question. Wow. Yeah. No question in my mind. So, but I, I truly appreciate you mentioning it, it's, it's hard, but it always helps to talk uh-huh. and clear, you know, sure. cl- clear the air for the next time that, mm-hmm. that you get struck by the by the memory and the loss but thank you this has been just such an awesome conversation we've thoroughly enjoyed your openness and how you've shared your heart and so much of your creativity we really appreciate it well it's great to talk to you guys too please let's not make it two years again okay i agree let's do it again very soon love to love to you know it's a special interview when you need to dedicate all four segments to the same artist wayne nelson of the little river band who made the moon? Who 
Who paints the sky Who hangs the stars And turns them on each night Who shows the world How to play in tune She got her answers way too soon She knows who made the moon Who made the moon Who paints the sky Who hangs the stars And turns them on each night How can I feel This empty room Why of the Little River Band. Wayne, thanks for joining us today on the Mulberry Lane Show. Thanks for sharing your heart, your music, the politics behind the music, and your thoughts on creativity. High fives and hugs to you. And don't forget to check out the Little River Band at the Ralston Arena, May 5th with Kim Carnes. Should be a good night of music. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll be here same time, same place next weekend. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Baby, take a breath.